Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist and now a health coach based in Arkansas who's been in front of a microphone or a camera since the 1980s. I think of myself as the queen of Arkansas media. I started this podcast in 2020 to help you live a better life. Today, I'm talking to Dr. Nadia Musavir, a naturopath in South Florida who has intel on everything from PCOS to hair loss. And you'll get to meet her right after this. Sustainability, regenerative farming, 10 generations of farmers. Well, who else would that be? It's the Ralston family in Atkins, Arkansas, and Ralston Family Farms. I've gotten to know them very well. They're now personal friends, and it's because I eat a lot of the rice. I eat a lot of the rice. I feed it to people who come to my home because I talk about my diet is based on beef, butter, bacon, and eggs. I have rice. I have local fruits in season. That's it. And you know what? It's complete. It's delicious. And I think everyone should do it. But let me tell you some other things about their website. One, I want you to go look at their brand Refresh. They have taken some things with their packaging. So when you go to Whole Foods or Fresh Market or your favorite grocery store, you might think, wait, does that look different? Yes, it does. Same product. And then also their website is where I go all the time for recipes. They always have an option for recipes because I know with like my grandkids are over, they love the cheese grits, or I love the purple rice, or I, blah, 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 blah. And there are six, six different rice varieties, and there is a recipe or a thousand for each of those varieties. Check it all out online. Get to know the Ralston family. Know that you are shopping with a family who gives back to the community. They are delightful people. RalstonFamilyFarms.com. I love the messaging behind DogTalkTV.com. You've heard me talk some time about what Pat Becker-Wallace has done. She's an Arkansan who lived in Oklahoma a long time. So a majority of her life and her charitable work, and there's a lot of it, people, has been devoted to providing forever homes for uh, these dogs and helping the rescues. Now, the shelters often get city and county money, but the rescues do not. So therefore, she has devoted much of her life's work and writing books that match the perfect person with the perfect breed, meaning your temperament. It works better with certain dog breed temperaments and then educating. That's really what she wants to do. Educate people on dog ownership and responsible dog ownership. So if you go to dogtalktv.com, you can order some of the books. I have them here. I gave some to a charity. I'm getting more to give to my daughter, granddaughter's school. Haven't done that yet. I've been busy. But when I do that, I know that the kids there can check out a book and learn more about dog breeds. In fact, if you have a child who's interested in writing children's books, they have a competition where you can find out more and it's all in their website. They have a children's book contest tab at dogtalktv.com. Know that you are helping the rescues and in both Arkansas and Oklahoma when you go there, dogtalktv.com. She won most talkative in high school, and she has been running her mouth ever since. Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher. Okay, there's a lot you and I need to talk about because I love your social media and you really champion women's health. And one thing, two things I think that really will speak to people and one is an epidemic. They both are. And one is PCOS. Mm. Let's talk about PCOS. Who's getting it? Polycystic ovarian syndrome. Who's getting it? And who doesn't know they have it? Yeah, that's a that's a really great question. And I love the way that you phrased it because I think classically we think of, there's a certain body type that we think of, right? A woman who's slightly overweight, um, you know, thinning hair, cystic acne. Uh, but it could be women who are thin, women who don't fit that profile at all. And so I think those are the women that are getting missed because they their doctors see them and they want to get tested. And they're like, no, PCOS is bigger. And it's yeah. really unfortunate because I have come across that a lot. Because if we will talk about the typical genotype or, or who what we typically, what we used to say we saw was a woman who um, 
not just weight gain, but obesity was like a side the effect. The trunkle, right? Yeah, yes, trunkle obesity. Um, the facial hair, the cystic acne, irregular periods. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of women, as they age, will have some of those symptoms. Do you think women weave in and out of PCOS and then their hormones balance and then they, because they're perimenopausal, they might get there again? Or is it something you have forever? I think... I, I think because the, the big piece here, along with the androgens, is also the insulin resistance, right? So as women's hormones are fluctuating and they are becoming less sensitive to insulin, then they are more able to get into that PCOS-like picture, even if they don't technically fit the criteria. Um, but I do think that as women, you know, as we start to age and our hormones start to shift, if we're not mindful of, of correcting our lifestyle and our diet to fit those hormonal shifts, then yes, you, you can um, weave more into that pattern. Well, the reason I even bring it up, because I know when I was in my 30s, I every month would have a cyst on my mm. chin, right? So I would see my dermatologist, he would inject it because I've been on camera for 35 years. So if I had something on camera, he would inject it. And then he put me on, I'm sorry, I took it doxycycline, like for a long Um, time, which it makes me mad now that I'm a hundred years old. And I look back, I'm not, I'm 60, but I look back and think, why didn't anyone look at the root cause of what was going on rather than going, well, we'll just get the, we'll get the needle out. We'll give you some antibiotics and you go about your way. Now right. I'm wondering, was I one of those that was kind of weaving in and out? I didn't have, I don't remember having facial hair, but I had some other symptoms that my periods were starting to get erratic because it was perimenopause and there were just other things. So I guess it makes me angry now that I understand functional medicine and the why we get sick. You know, let's look at the root cause that people don't look at that. So do you ever suggest to somebody, because I know one thing I hear all the time is we'll just take birth control pills to these women. (laughs) And I I can assume as a naturopath, that's probably not your first line of defense. But what what are the things then? What 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 do you tell women to do if they start presenting with these symptoms? So, yeah, that's a that's another great question. And you're absolutely right. If they're presenting with these symptoms, birth control pills are not my go-to. Can you um, say that again? Say that again. Birth control pills are not her go-to if yeah. these are your symptoms. I, I just have to say it because I, I swear I hear this every day. Yeah, it's true. And it's really, really unfortunate because I, I've worked with a lot of women who are not even 30 years old, but they've been on the pill for 15 years, over 15 mm. years. Mm. And it's not even because they were sexually active at that time. I mean, if you're taking the pill for contraceptive reasons, which is what it was made for, that's right. then all, more to you. Go ahead. That's, that's your right. choice. That's your prerogative. Fine. That's right. However, at, a, at 11 years old, and I always ask, well, okay, was this for contraceptive purposes? Um, not coming from a place of judgment, but hey, if you needed it, you needed it. And right. um, they're like, oh, no, it's because I had a little bit of acne or it's because my periods were irregular. Well, when you're first starting to get your period, a lot of you're not really having a regular period to begin with. Um, so, yeah, it, it blows my mind. And uh, what I like to do first is so, okay, if somebody's coming in with acne and it is coming around a certain time of, of the month. Um, then we'd look at, okay, well, what is your diet like? Because you're during your second half of your period, you're, you're going to want to focus on more proteins, fats, your body's not, um, metabolizing these carbohydrates as well. So, um, maybe look at that piece, right? Look at how they're exercising. Look at the stress. I think another overlooked piece is stress, especially in women. Like we have a lot of women doing amazing things. Um, but it's at the cost of our hormonal health, um, (laughs) <laughs> I, I and not to say that we can't do it all we can but it does come at a price right so when you start to really uh you know burn the candle at both ends and you're getting up really late and I mean sorry getting up really early staying up really late um not nourishing your body properly this is all stress on the body and your body's going to pump out more cortisol which is then going to signal more release of blood sugar and so that that blood sugar dysregulation piece as it ties into PCOS, I think is largely overlooked because then diet alone is not going to be helpful, right? So I think looking at all of these different areas and making the corrections, whether it's diet, whether it's lifestyle, um, and starting there. 
Um, I one time when I was really starting to get interested in this, and I understood Dr. Ben Bickman say in his book Why We Get Sick, he talked about PCOS and his whole book, the whole premise of that book, Why We Get Sick. It's the you know things that were that afflict must of much of what not just Western society but the the planet. Right? Mm-hmm. If ninety two percent of the people are metabolically unfit. That's one thing. And there's high blood pressure and hydroglycerides and PCOS and end-stage renal disease, all these things. And he says the root cause is insulin resistance. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I used to wonder, and now I have my theory, and I, and I wanted to see what you think. I used to wonder which came first, the chicken or the egg, PCOS mm-hmm. or insulin resistance. And now I'm thinking insulin resistance is what spawns the PCOS, not the other way around. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with that. I would agree with that. Yeah. And see, that's where a parent might give you some pushback because they think of insulin resistance as a result. Yes, that's right. So we're, we're trying to say some, something, you know, what the root cause upstream, something is not, your hormones aren't regulated. Then how do you then, so the 11 year old who comes to you or the 12 year old, I mean, these really young girls might be seeing it because we know girls start their period. I mean, we all, you know, people, girls start their period at 11, 12, 13, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And they're coming in with these symptoms. Do you attack diet first? So if they, I, I, I usually don't work with anyone like that age. That By the time they come yeah. to me, they're, they're much older, but yeah. yes, theoretically I would, I would look at diet. I feel like that is always a safe place to start, especially in the younger yeah. population right now. The food is largely processed and it's largely carbohydrate based. Yeah. So I, I would absolutely start with diet. Now, I would assume from your genetic makeup, you are you a vegan, vegetarian? No. Or were you raised that way? Uh, no, actually. Okay. No. Because no. I was thinking maybe you were Indian or South Asian. South Asian, um, but more uh, so Pakistani, so not vegan, not vegetarian. More meat, yeah. Yep. Because I was wondering then how um, Asian cultures deal with this because if they're vegan or vegetarian – their diets are largely high in carbohydrates. So how how is that addressed? If you are someone who's died in the wool, you know, you have a philosophy or religion. Yeah. And it dictates that you not eat animal fats, which I base most of my diet on. So how do you then communicate? Because Pakistani foods, y'all got some good foods, girl. Mm. Man, I <laughs> love do. that food. My, one of some of my favorites. So, but how do you then help that person navigate a high yeah. carbohydrate diet? That that's a, another great question because South Asian women do have a large predisposition for PCOS. That's right. Um, and I think type two, right? Type yes. two diabetes is yes. huge in the Asian community now. Yes, and uh, and then, well, and then both of those tie into your risk for cardiovascular disease. Right. Um, so that is tricky because I have seen a fair share, and I think at that point. It's still going to be, um, then at that point, it's going to be prioritizing food timing, making sure there's not snacking in between, um, and focusing on strength training. Um, so, so, so really looking at the lifestyle piece, if the diet can't be modified, um, but yeah, it, it, it is tricky. It's much trickier in that, in that scenario. I think the other thing that trips people up too, with the Asian community, what I've seen, and I've heard people say um, uh, a friend of mine is, uh, uh, she, she is South Asian. Yes. And her, she is, uh, a carnivore meat based eater. Her mother is not, her mother's still eating vegetarian. Her mother's mm-hmm. small in stature, small, but she's type two diabetic. Yeah. So I think that as Westerners, we just think, well, if you gain weight, you have type two diabetes. That's not necessarily the case. Because sometimes you do see it in small stature, small, like you said, even thin people with PCOS, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Something you mentioned, I think we really need to say it louder for those in the back too, is we've got to stop snacking. Our kids have to stop snacking. That's huge. And I know big food spends a lot of money to tell us that we need a Snickers and we need fourth meal. And, you know, I'm an intermittent faster, so I really say we don't. But what's how do you how do you get that message across to people that you you don't have to eat every 10 minutes? 
Yeah, that is a big thing for people to wrap their mind around. Uh, and I think part of it is just at this point, they're used to it. And so it's like they're bored and they're, they're, it's a, they're mindlessly doing it. Yeah. Um, one of the, the ways that I try to get across to them is, is your digestive tract needs time to rest. You mm-hmm. don't want it to constantly be working. Um, and, and I try to tell them, like, if you, if you eat a, a good amount of food when you do eat and you're intentional about eating and you're chewing your food slowly, you will find that you don't need to eat in between. And then if you do feel, find yourself grabbing for something, ask yourself, am I truly hungry? Maybe have some water and then, you know, think about, do I need this? Um, but it's definitely a mindset shift. So I think, I think telling them and reminding them that um, you don't actually need to, especially if you're eating enough prior, like in a meal. Well, I think one thing that's helped me, and I've repeated this before, and that's what Dr. Fung says, that we're hormonally wired to eat and to stop eating. And that if you still, the people who come to me, because I'm a health coach and intermittent fasting coach, well, Lisa, but I'm hungry several times during the day. And I said, because you're hormonally wired to eat the food because you've been on this roller coaster with your glucose for so many years. And it's surprising, Dr. Nadia, how quickly it is to reverse that. I never thought that I could have been the person that I've done a five-day fast. I've done a three-day fast. Never in my wildest imagination did I ever think I could go two hours. Right. Uh, Have you seen that in your practice or with yourself? Yes, absolutely. I, it took, I used to be someone that, that snacked a lot. Mm-hmm. And that, but I think one of the things that I realized for myself personally is seeing how much of that was also f- uh, from a programmed stress response almost. No. So mm-hmm. because my body had been so used to getting this blood sugar spike from cortisol, then oh. if I wasn't getting it from stress, then I was, it felt like I had to get it from food. I had to get it from somewhere. Right. So it was it was a big shift. I actually think one of the things that helped was Prolon. Um, oh, yeah. Prolon, yeah. I, I really like that. For me, it took me – so I had been – I had fasted for years. But again, for me, it was a little bit more detrimental because of the fact that I just kept pumping out more stress hormone, more stress hormone. So that's one of the things that I do talk about is that for – if you do tend to have a higher sympathetic, sympathetic tone, then you need to be more um, – conservative with your fasting windows and skip dinners instead of skipping breakfast. So that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So as you get yourself used to it, then you can start to expand it. But Prolon was helpful because there was still like, you know, that little bit of, of food that was going in, but I feel like that did help to reset things. So if someone is having trouble, I might recommend that they, they try Prolon as a way to give them just a reset. And I'll put that in the show notes. It's the fasting mimicking diet that Dr. Walter Longo. Correct. Um, and he's he's a fasting and longevity expert, you know. So mm-hmm. his is definitely based on science. It's probably two hundred fifty dollars for was it like a three day? I did it a few years ago. Three to five days. Three to yeah. five days, something. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's not as good as Mama's food, but you do eat. No, I eat like <laughs> I remember eating soups and broths and something i, I yeah, really don't remember yeah it's it's not the greatest but i think it's if you it's a means to an end and if you need that reset and you're having trouble i i do like it would you tell someone with pcos to try that i would uh i would but i would tell them that they might only be able to do like two to three they might not do the whole five days yeah 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 um, okay, let's talk about cortisol now. And cortisol's mm. um, yeah, it's important. Have, I mean, it's kind of like insulin to me. It's double-edged sword. Have to have yes. it. Can't live without it. Yes. Same thing with cortisol. <laughs> ha- I mean, we have to have it to get things done. But too much of it, we get cortisol drunk, or then we blow out our adrenals. That the you know the right. thinking is. So for some people, uh, we know that fasting is a hormetic stress which meaning your body can get through that. Your body needs a little time of hormetic stress. Mm -hmm. But for some people, and we're all individual, we're all different. Some people that hormetic stress is too much for fasting and it produces too much cortisol. Is that what you kind of were thinking with your own body? Yes. Yes. And how did you know that? Like, what are the signs and symptoms? Uh, You know, I I think it's the 
trouble like the trunkal obesity we were talking about. So yeah. trouble losing that that belly fat. Yeah. Um, feeling like you're getting sweaty or just because that oh. for me, it was just like, yeah. So that's one of the signs that that's you'll see like with that, that lower blood sugar, like you're not hot, but you're like sweaty uh-huh. and it's like you're, you're pump, you're pumping out that stress hormone. Um, what else? Kind of clammy. Like, is that yes. when you, yeah, yes. I know what you're mm-hmm. talking about. Yeah. Um, you might get a, a, you, you might start to have similar type symptoms of like when you're, you're hangry, right? Like when your mm-hmm. blood sugar gets low, you get a little bit irritable, um, maybe having trouble, uh, sleeping at night. So waking up in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. um, wired. So those are, those were all some signs of that, um, higher cortisol when it's not supposed to be high. Then when, how did you alter? I'd like to hear how, what your path was then from fasting to maybe reducing the fasting and more feasting. Yes. Yes. So I, I had to reduce fasting for sure. Um, what did I do? <laughs> so How did I, you I stopped, start? What was your yeah. fasting and feasting to start with or when you were in, in your prime? With, when I was fasting, I would, at the time I was in school, so it was very convenient because I would just not eat. And then when there was, you know, I had classes. Is that what but, you mean? Yes, but that was okay. a very stressful time too. Exactly. Anyway, so you were pushing out cortisol from that. Exactly. Exactly. Once I finished, I kept that same pattern. So even that that was too much, maybe. Exactly. And that's when I I noticed that's when it started to really click to me. I'm like, well, why am I really stressed if now I'm in an environment where I'm in control? I'm not adhering to, you know, a particular schedule and um, I'm still feeling all of this. And that's when I started to put it together like, oh, my gosh, this is too much for me. My body has adapted to being under high stress. I need to switch this. So I stopped the fasting. I started making sure that I was eating um, within the first hour of waking. Okay. And uh, I stopped coffee. So, I mean, I, I'm one of those that I don't see an issue with coffee. I love coffee. I think if you're not having more than two cups a day, fine. Um, but when you're, again, trying to to shift your body stress response, then, then you need to remove that added stimulation. So I stopped all coffee. I was having green tea. Um, and I was, I started to eat a little bit more carbohydrate, um, than I had been. And then slowly over time, as I started to feel better and started to see that my sleep, my energy levels were better. I was getting as clammy. I think that was a big one for me that I wasn't getting clammy. Then I started to, okay, I, I can stop eating, um, earlier in the evening so I still like if I tr- if I stop eating earlier in the evening, I still try to eat within the first hour of waking. But now I'll experiment with uh, ending my eating window earlier in the day. Yeah. And the science is showing us that because of insulin sensitivity throughout the day that we truly uh, uh, in the beginning, I preached skip breakfast, eat lunch and dinner or eat at 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. Now, Dr. Hyman's talked about it. Um, Andrew Huberman. Ben Bickman, they've all said, well, not so fast. Mm-hmm. If you're going to skip anything, skip dinner because of circadian rhythms exactly. and insulin sensitivity. So that has definitely changed my um, position on this and to support people to say, in, and really, I mean, no one's ever heard me say this. I think if you were, if you're starting a fasting lifestyle tomorrow, I would say now maybe it is best to eat within an hour from in waking, from when you wake up. And then finish up at two or three. Yeah. And that's kind of new for me because, again, because in our society, families want to have dinner together. Husbands and wives want to visit. And I go, you can still visit. You can still sit there with your water, my club soda, and the salt around the rim. And, you know, I'm still with my family. If my husband and I are together, I can skip. No one really notices. But you feel real self-conscious because you think, well, I'm not here participating. You're still there. You're still a human. You're still alive, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, so that was, you were kind of mitigating a cortisol response at that time. Yes. Was there any way for you to measure, did you do saliva testing to see yes. what your adrenals were doing? Well, yes. tell me what they were then in the heightened cortisol when your spike was later in the day. And then maybe, or how I want to say it was, it was just high all around just high all the time yeah Yeah. it was it was if i'm not mistaken my curve was just higher um than it should have been 
um, for all the times of day. So (laughs) what is your eating schedule now? So you're eating within an hour still now? Yes. Uh Within an hour of waking. Yes. Uh, for the most part, if I do, um, play with, with like a little bit of a longer window, uh, I do talk to women about just doing it according to where you are in your cycle. So in the first half of your cycle, you can tolerate a more, Mm -hmm. um, intense fast, I guess you can say. So I might go two hours or three hours again, mm-hmm. it all, but that's also cause now I gauge and I know how I feel. I know when I'm pushing it. So well, the thing you're teaching people is listen to your body. Correct. Correct. Cause that's really what it comes down to. What works for me. And the, you know, this is all my past history and how my body has adapted. So that's going to be different than it is for someone else's. Um, and you know, when you bring up the, the, cultural heritage part yeah. that that plays a big role too you know like because sure. i you know south asian but also hispanic and and those two sides uh very much influence how, you know my genetics and how they're going to play out right so um and for someone else they might be able to go about that a little bit more easily yeah I would say, and you know, Mark Hyman says DNA loads the gun, but environment Mm. pulls the trigger. So I I definitely respect that. But we do have to look at um, some of the things about our heritage. And the Hispanic culture also has high uh, type 2 diabetes and insulin resistance, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yours is a double whammy. <laughs> I hate to say it, but it is. It, it looks is. like you've pulled it off fine. You're fine. And, and and yeah, that's that's the other thing that people see their genetics and they think they're doomed, right? And no, it's, and you're not. You're not. You're not. Yeah. Boy, I'm I'm reading uh, or listening to uh, Dr. Gabor Mate. Oh, you know, yes. His new book, The Myth of Normal. And he spends, I'm just on the chapters, I'm listening to it, and... Um, he, uh, his story is fascinating because he is an Eastern European Jew whose mother survived the Holocaust. And we're seeing now that's not the survivors of the Holocaust that had the disease and ailments and conditions. It's because of epigenetics. It's their children. Yeah. And it's what we take on from others. I mean, it's a yeah. fascinating book. Let me put that in the show notes, too. Um, it's a, yeah. I love all of his work. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, he, yeah. And you've seen him on a lot of, if you follow anyone in the health space, he, he kind of did the big run of everybody in like January, February, March, or whenever, you know, <laughs> the last six months. And you think, what is this guy saying? Cause he, he kind of doesn't enunciate when he talks and he kinda, <laughs> you're like, he's mumbling. Y'all, he has so much valuable information. He really does. You need to go back and watch anything he's done, get the book. He has a, a native American or English speaker that reads his book. Cause he has a pretty thick Polish, probably Polish, he's probably speaking English for 50 years. I think he's in his seventies, maybe, maybe older than that, but mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's a fascinating book. Okay. So we talked about the one thing that affects so many people uh, it, that it's epidemic and it's not maybe epidemic yet, but it's going to be, it's PCOS. But the other thing now you're going to speak, be speaking to both men and women on this and it's hair loss. And I know, you kind of have a big passion about hair loss. So tell me what got you interested and we'll talk about the panacea. What is, what's going to fix all of anybody who has hair <laughs> loss issues? Yeah. So it's interesting. I started consulting for, uh, for a hair company and shortly after I started experiencing my own hair issues. Um, and the funny thing is, is that I'm working with this company and they're like, here, you have all of our resources, take all of our stuff. It's free. And it wasn't working for me. So that's, that's interesting. (laughs) So at that point I'm like, it, 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 I mean, now when I look back, I'm like, okay, I, I get it. You know, I had to, I had to really dive into all of these avenues because it's really so much that affects our hair and, and their follicles they have their own environment, you know, they, they produce hormones on their own. They produce, um, they, they, yeah, they produce like DHT. They have receptors that are responding to different things as well as they're responding systemically. So anyway, I start losing hair and, and it's not being helped by these other products. Um, 
I start to see the impact of environment, of environmental toxicities and how huge that mm. is. Our emotions, so huge. I At the time, I didn't even I realize how much I had gone through. Like it was, you know, I had finished up school. I had, you know, my board exams. I got married. I moved twice. One of them across the country. And then the, I think what really did it was I, I spent a little bit of time. I think it was like three to four months in a home with water damage. Uh, and wow. yes, being, I think, mold sensitive, which I mm. hadn't realized that was what really did it. So it made a lot of sense that everything that I was taking and doing wasn't helpful because there was this there was this augmented inflammatory immune response that was just constantly going in the background, um, draining, you know, draining all my antioxidants, draining nutrients. And then th- that also shifts your hormone balance, yeah. you know, so um uh, I, I, it took a lot of time. <laughs> to, it's a slow, arduous it's comeback. Very hair, slow. hair, yeah, very regrowth. slow, very slow. Cornerstone Pharmacy, compounding at cornerstone.com, has been my go-to for all of my hormone needs. As we age, both men and women have hormone fluctuations. In fact, so much of my podcast is devoted to that. And I know I've got Brittany Marsh and her staff on it when it comes to what my body needs because that's where I go for my bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, BHRT. In fact, you might be wondering, well, do I need hormone replacement therapy? This is what I say to do. Go to their website now. It doesn't matter where you're listening right now. This can be done anywhere on the globe. Um, you go to compoundingatcornerstone.com and you can even buy the testing, so the saliva testing and the Dutch, the dried urine test for comprehensive hormones, they have them now at Cornerstone Pharmacy and you get 20% off when you use Lisa at checkout. Yeah, chop, chop, do that now. And then they can read it to you. And then depending what state you're in, if you're in Arkansas, they can hook you up with a provider who can write the replacement if you need it. I mean, you just might want to look at you know, a baseline of where you are. But my point is, wherever you are, you can do that right now. And Cornerstone Pharmacy can help you. They also give you a 20% discount on uh, supplements, which is very, very important. Everyone needs adrenal supplements. Everyone needs magnesium. Oh, I could go on and on for days about it. Find out more by going to their website, compounding at cornerstone.com. I am so excited to introduce you to a new sponsor of the Lisa Fisher Said podcast, but not a new name to those of you in central Arkansas. You will say, huh, yes, I know about this. It's Marlsgate. Marlsgate is the property just 15 minutes from downtown Little Rock. That is the Greek revival property built in the 1800s, guys, and it is still maintained in mint condition. Now, only the third owners have it. Martha Ellen and Bo Talbot bought it in 2017 and with tender love take care of it because you know what it's their personal home and they can open it to you to the right person who wants to have their event at a treasure that's what this property is and they maintain the grounds the house they can seat up to or accommodate up to 500 people with the the kitchen alone is 2500 square feet because it is a working kitchen for events and things. Guys, it's a beautiful property. Go to their website. You can see the video that I produced and you can find out more. If you want to have an event there, reach out to me. I can get you with the Talbots. I'm having an event there in December, a cocktail party, because Christmas at Marlsgate will be off the charts this year. It's back and it's better than ever. Marlsgate.com. And, um, you know, then at that time, so still, still studying and all of this and then, and then COVID. COVID happens. And then, so we start seeing the influence of COVID and hair. And again, it, the, the, the tie, the theme that was tying into everything was the impact of inflammation and yeah. all of the inflammatory uh, chemicals and signaling that ends up impacting the hair and disrupting the hair growth cycle. Um, so that really being the, the common theme. Did you get COVID? I did. And then did you have the hair, well, you know, a lot of people had the post-COVID hair loss. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me back up. I don't actually, <laughs> this is a funny story. I don't actually know if I had COVID because it happened so early. So my husband was in residency at the time and uh, <laughs> he 
I was so sick. Like it was, this was early March of 2020. Yeah. There was and no test. No test. And yeah. he, um, at this, at the time, you know, he's, he's, you know, in the hospital and he gets a call one day when he's home and he's like, okay, so the patient that you've been seeing, he just tested positive for COVID. You have to stay home. So th- there was never a test. He never got sick, but the way that I was sick, I mean, I had never been that sick. Yeah. And then the a month after, there was like literally a section of hair yeah. missing. So yeah. I'm like, it had to have been COVID. Yes, we never confirmed sure. it, but. For sure. Looks yeah. like a duck, acts like a duck, quacks like a duck. <laughs> exactly. Okay, you don't need to take a duck test to tell me if you're right. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So. I'm, tra- I'm tracking with you the whole time. But then you had the, it's the post-COVID hair loss that has freaked people out. And I think that, so what a lot of people don't realize is this is this can happen with any viral illness. It's just at the yeah. time, because there were so many people that had this same illness. And so then it, it got associated with that, but it can really happen after any extreme viral illness. And not just viral. I mean, that's not just viral. Thing. Stress. Well, thyroid, obviously thyroid right. disease. That That's kind of... Um, for me and a lot of women who finally get diagnosed after having babies, when you go back to your, because the only doctor you see as a new mom is your obstetrician, right? Right. Follow up. And you say, well, I have a lot of hair loss. Your obstetrician will pat you on the leg and say, well, you just had a baby. (laughs) But when, and that does affect your hair loss. But for me, I remember it was, my thyroid was blowing out. It was dying. My antibodies were off the page kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's digging deeper and trying to find a root cause. And Absolutely. I would, I would think anybody listening, just don't take the answer is just because try to find the root cause. But with hair loss, I bet it's a difficult thing because isn't hair like on a six week or three month cycle that you have hair loss today, but it was something that happened six to 12 weeks ago. ago. Yeah. yeah. Three months ago. So you do you have to backtrack and try to figure that out? Yeah, but the tricky thing is, is if there was something extreme enough, like there there are cases where people have experienced extreme trauma, and from one day to the next, they lose a significant <gasps> chunk of hair. So wow. um, that's so classically, yes, it's three months. But if it's okay. significant enough, it could be it anything. Be, it could okay. be, yeah, yeah. So it depends. But how hair your body... loss is a symptom. Like we need Absolutely. to pay attention to it. Okay. Absolutely, and I think that's a, oh, it breaks my heart with women. Like you said, they don't get listened to. No, their hormones are you know it's just oh it's just no. your hormones. It's and awful. It's two months postpartum. Like okay, but if it's continuing, that's not yes. just postpartum. Thank you. Yeah. That's what I was saying at six, nine, 12 months, a year and a half. Yeah. Still where I would, my friend calls it, she would brush the floor, comb the floor, you know, because you have to pick it up. Yeah. yeah. And I see it here all around me because kind of as a thyroid patient, even though I, I mean, I keep a short leash on my thyroid. I take, I do take NP thyroid five days a week, take two days off. I still have a lot of hair loss. I just think as an autoimmune patient, it, here's the one thing that makes me mad. It's because I have a ton of hair and you do too. And then people saying, well, you have a lot of hair. Yeah. I'd like to keep it. <laughs> I would like to keep it. That is, I oh, that's something I would hear a lot from patients is like they get dismissed because they're yes. like, oh, but you have a lot. You have a lot of hair. Okay, for now. But if this yeah, continues, right. then what? Yeah, well, full disclosure, I my stylist, and she sees my hair every week because, you know, I, I think I'm a Kardashian. I have to have a blowout on Wednesday. So. <laughs> Sorry, this isn't a blowout day. It would really look good if it were Wednesday. Um, so because of that, she keeps an eye on my hair. And she and because I have several autoimmune conditions, vitiligo, alopecia, I have alopecia now on my scalp. Now I'm going at it full throttle. Like I want to hear all your advice, but <laughs> I do think because I caught it early, um, I might even do PRP. My nurse practitioner said some people do PRP yeah. um, for uh, alopecia. So alopecia, unlike what you heard in the media one time at the Academy Awards, it is not your whole head with short <laughs> hair. It, it is round. It's, it's completely circular, spherical hole of no hair wouldn't you say that's the definition that's the alopecia areata or areata that's right yep. what i have yeah right the the other one is complete hair loss 
right? Well, of- um, so there's there's totalis, there's universalis. So alopecia is more of a general term for hair loss, and then you can have the different types. Um, so totalis and then universalis, that would be everything. And then the areata is where it's like, like you said, the focal little clumps. Yeah. Yes. Like you have a little clump. In fact, I, I'm, I am putting a little, uh, steroid cream on it, but even when my husband has to go to find it, he has a hard time finding it because he's like, you got so much hair. And I go, stop saying it. <laughs> I want to keep it. <laughs> yeah. But what are some of your tricks then for dealing with that type of hair loss? Cause that's autoimmune and that might be a little yeah. different. Yeah, yeah. So we talked about how uh, the inflammatory cytokines are a big thing that um, like the hair follicles are very, very sensitive to that. So making sure that you're flooding the body with antioxidants. Um, Something really interesting that uh, I recently learned is when there is oxidative stress in the body, you cannot have optimal glutathione levels. Ooh, that's and good. You need you need optimal levels of vitamin C, but you can't get those optimal le- levels of vitamin C unless you have optimal levels of magnesium. I so, love me some magnesium now. <laughs> yes. So having good magnesium, good vitamin C, and you know, most people when they think about vitamin C, they're thinking like uh, an emergency packet. Like, mm. no, we're talking about two grams of vitamin so 2000 milligrams of vitamin c you know you want to be doing and that's you know a highly a high quality liposomal where mm-hmm. you're really absorbing that mm-hmm. and helping to um counteract the damage from any oxidative stress in the body um taking you know your your anti-inflammatory or inflammatory supportive herbs like your your turmeric green tea extract right. things like right. that okay um I really like the use of peptides. Um, there's there's a few that are really great for the hair, and they, they work really well in conjunction with the PRP um, or the PRF. Um, so what are the peptides? The only peptide I hear about is the glucagon-like, you know, the GLP-1 agonist. But what are peptides? You know, while we're on that topic, I yeah. want to point out, I think we're going to see a big trend in ozempic hair loss. They've talked about ozempic face. Face. Oh, but you're exactly they... right. Because, oh, and another thing, gallstones. Oh, yeah. When women are going to be running to their GI docs with this pain between their shoulder blades, don't know what's going on. And it's this rapid weight loss risk that gives you then have yeah. gallstones. And you, yeah. and I wouldn't take my gallbladder out if, you know, unless yeah. it was diseased or dying. But yeah, I, I bet you're exactly right. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I'm, I feel like I'm already seeing that, but they just haven't connected the two, named it. Yeah, right. And um, so, what are peptides in it? I know that's yes. a big buzzword, but I don't understand maybe what it is. So the peptides are basically signal. So they're they're um, a string of amino acids, and they send a signal to the body. So different peptides oh, will send a different okay. signal. Yeah, and so the ones. Um, the ones that we've, so, so my husband and I have our practice in, in Miami and, um, the ones we most commonly use for, for hair are going to be GHKCU. Um, and there's another one called thymosin, thymosin beta, thymosin beta. And, uh, so the thymosin beta actually acts on the immune system and has shown to, has shown regrowth of hair when in conjunction with PRP or PRF, the microneedling. And then the uh, GHKCU is, um, it has copper. I can't remember what the GHK is, but the CU is copper. And that is really good for skin, uh, for collagen. So those two are the ones that we're using a lot and and seeing good success with that. Um, So we need copper. Right or do we, we get do too need much copper? Okay. We do need co- no. We tend to get too much zinc because right. we take zinc for immune support, yeah. and the two are they're cofactors. So you want to you when you take zinc, you should be having a little bit of copper. So I have my hair supplement, and it does have a little bit of copper in it to help with with to make sure that there's that balance. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, because. Yeah. Um, I, I, the copper, there are two things that always confuse me, whether we have too much or not enough. One's iodine, because mm. there's one camp in the thyroid world, you don't have enough, you're not absorbing. Then the other part that says, no, that's the reason you have Hashimoto's, you have too much. <laughs> yeah. And then the same, it's the same argument to me with copper. I'm always like, do I have, do I want more or do I not have enough? Do I have too much? 
so it's it a always delicate balance me. for both. Yes. Yeah. 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 And the thing about iodine, as you know, it's measured in micrograms. So it is, it is, it is minuscule. The tiny very, very uh, dosing titration that you would have. And then you wouldn't, I mean, I don't know who has too much or not enough. I, I, and I don't, yeah. I guess there'd be a lab test for that. Okay. Now let's talk about, I, I heard Peter Atia in an interview, uh, the longevity, another longevity expert talk about, Ozempic is pushing us into, well, for one thing, I call it the Fen-Fen of 2023 <laughs> or the HCG diet of 2023 yeah. or the, right? It lasts for this long. It is, the thing about this one is it's all the rage, but the people who really need it, the type 2 diabetics, they can't get it because there's a shortage. Because all, Chelsea Handler has said, her doctor even called and said, oh girl, I'm putting you on this medicine. And she swears she didn't even know what it was. That she goes, because everyone takes it. It's like they go to Ozempic parties. Yeah. But uh, Peter Atia was on an interview saying that what he predicts because of the lean mass muscle ratio and what you're losing, he said in a traditional, he's a fasting proponent. So I'm sure he's using fasting as an example. In a, in a traditional weight loss that's healthy, you lose this much of lean muscle mass and you lose this much fat, you know, whatever, I can't do math, whatever the math is. <laughs> but then with Ozempic, it's proportionately disproportionate, <laughs> to right. be redundant, but it, it is not what you want. And he said, we are going to see a future of weight loss, but not fat loss. Yeah. And he said, then it's what Mark Hyman calls Tofi, thin on the outside, fat on the inside. Yeah, you lost weight, but you needed to lose fat. Right. So can you address that and explain that to me? What what, what do we want to lose when we diet and what don't what yeah. we don't want to lose? We, we definitely want to lose more of the fat. We don't want to lose our lean muscle mass or bone right. density. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I think to go back to what we originally started talking about and the PCOS and the people who yeah, are getting yeah. missed, like this is the profile that we're creating essentially. Yes, yes I see. Yes, I see. We're, we're creating yeah. the, the, um, the, meta, it's the metabolically unfit that don't fit the picture. So these are Got a lot it. of people that are going to be missed because they're thin, because they've lost all this weight, because they're right. – on paper, they look like, oh, their cardiovascular risk has reduced. But as they get older and they have this less, mu this, yeah, less muscle mass and less um, bone density, they're going to be more frail. I, I, I can't understand why. The, the thing about it is this. If, if there are some providers that I think are going about this in a responsible way and telling people like, okay, if, if it's a short boost that you need, but make sure your strength training, make sure you're focusing on protein. I have heard practitioners telling patients, you can eat whatever you want mm -hmm. and you're going to lose weight. Mm -hmm. And that blows my, I think that's where the bigger issue lies is that people are not seeing the, you know, the big picture of it all. They're not, there could be a, a way to make this a valuable tool, especially for the people who are and who do need this and who maybe just need that little bit of a push, right? Like they'll feel motivated because they see the weight starting to come off. So now they want to get to the gym. Now they want to make better choices. But I think for the large majority, they're just having it as a freebie or, you know what I mean? Well, he said they're on it for life. A lot. Yeah. Cause they get addicted in the sense that they don't want to. Yeah. He said, he said the weight, regain rebound is so great then they're going to have to they will feel this obligation to keep themselves because this glorified weight in their head which it, you're not you weren't designed to be i mean i've used eighth grade weight to be funny because <laughs> i had a i had a podcast guest once who really did say well, i went back to my eighth grade weight so i said it to be funny but i don't mean that right because that's maybe during puberty it's just not to age well you need some fat and meat on you no, absolutely um, but some of these people then and the kardashians can afford it so it's great for them but for the average person who really got on it to help them yet they get off it and they might have the rebound of it 
it might propel them to think, well, I'm just going to take this forever. Right. And that, I think that's the other issue, too, is the, the rebound comes from not going to the root cause. Right. So if they I, were I working on that with it, like, again, if you're if you're needing that boost and, and you're also at the same time working on all of these other things so that when you do come off it, you have maintained your muscle mass, you've corrected some of the hormonal imbalances, and now your body can sustain that loss because you've established a baseline to keep your body metabolically fit, even off of that medication. Great. But that's not the case for most people. So yeah, they have a customer for life. Yeah. And which that's when the lady that was on 60 Minutes in the summer with Leslie Stahl or whenever, again, when you're Mm -hmm. old, you can't remember if it was last week or in the last 10 years, but was in the last 12 months. And she told Leslie Stahl, Leslie Stahl said, is obesity um, genetic? And she said, yes, which- we're all saying, no, 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 no. It, you know, <laughs> there, th- there are factors that play into this. And she's the one who said, well, you know, that Ozempic is a great option for people. Well, guess who paid that lady $25,000 yeah. in 2021? The company that makes Ozempic. Yep. People, follow the money. I mean, it, whoever's giving you advice, look and see if there's any connect. Because there does have to be full disclosure with medical providers who are speaking on behalf, whether it's at a conference, a symposium, wherever. And you can Google these doctors who are saying, oh, I think this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Check to see if there was a payday for them. Yeah. Chances are there was. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you hate to. I, I, I talked to a client the other day who was slim she had some probably menopausal trunkal weight gain but still was fine in her clothes but didn't feel great and when we were going through things she was telling me all the medicine she was on she said well i'm on statins you know i rolled my eyes because her mother had a heart attack they put her on a statin whatever and (laughs) high blood pressure medicine which i said well you might need that and then um, something for acid reflux. I said, HCL, betaine, but whatever. <laughs> and when I told her, I said something about the doctor gets incentivized to write these prescriptions. Her husband was in the meeting with her and they own a restaurant. And the husband said, sweetie, do you not know that most of the lunches that we send out are to drug reps who are entertaining doctors <laughs> who... To- tell about their drug and he said he i think the restaurant must have to sign something saying yes john smith picked up 50 box lunches for the people at abbott laboratory you know in order probably to let your manager see the paper trail because you know money is exchanging hands she was totally totally blown away by it and she's 60 years old totally blown away and so that that's what I'm, i'm telling anybody listening just follow the money think about it and then then I say, if that's what you choose to do, great. Just make sure you're informed. Yes. And, I, and I'm sure that's kind of the feeling you have. What kind of medicine does your husband practice? So he, he's, he you know, studied family medicine, but uh, he after the pandemic and residency, yeah. uh, he's been doing urgent care. And then we've been building our own practice, uh, integrative, functional, focused. Uh, because, okay, so he's, yeah. he leans on yes. your yes. side because yes. there, there really are two different camps now. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, which is sad. And, you know, in some states, I know not in Florida because y'all are the freest place on the planet, but <laughs> in some states, California, um, if providers <laughs> don't recommend a certain vaccine, they can pull their license, yep. they can slap them on the wrist. So they really do have to then read a script and say, I'm supposed to tell you yep. that this is good for you and you have the option of taking it. Yep, my license you, is in California and I can't, uh, I, I, I won't, I, oh, yeah. Oh, then there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because they could, and I don't, I guess the patient would be the one who would tattle to say, she didn't tell me it was wonderful. And then you could get in trouble. I would say it's usually somebody in the patient's family. Got it. Yeah. Who had a differing opinion. and Correct. And like, oh, well, they had someone that told them otherwise. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's when, and you've been practicing during the Google era, but you know, you'll hear docs say, we used to practice medicine when no one got in their ear, <laughs> including Dr. Google. You know, <laughs> family members came to the meeting, they took notes, they let, you know, if it's a, especially a, a malignancy or a chronic illness and you had to get people involved. But then doctors now see that a patient comes in and said, this is what I think I have. This is what I think you need to give me. And then in that case, you know, in certain cases, and if you don't tell me how wonderful these certain shots are and certain options, you could get in trouble. Yep. Yeah. You're doing the right thing by not saying a thing. (laughs) (laughs) She is keeping her mouth shut. Um, what, what is your passion now? Is it to help women? You know, if you and your husband have this, if you're looking at functional medicine, does he have this? It, it doesn't matter his passion, but do, do you still, is that your passion then? For yes, women I, I still maintain. So, uh, you know, now the, I've shifted the focus of my practice. I have it more virtual. I do group coaching programs yeah. and yes, helping women, um, like you said, to know what their body is telling them. I think for so long, um, so many women, and I've seen it in my own mom, the women in my family, you know, they've, they've had things that are just like uh, dismissed, normalized, like, Oh, that's just how it is. You're just getting older. And I've had to have discussions, you know, where I felt like I was being a little stern, but I'm like, stop telling me that Mm -hmm. you think this is normal because you're getting older when it's Mm -hmm. not, it's because, Mm -hmm. you know, things are not balanced the way that they should and you're not taking like we we're we're, we're dynamic beings right in a dynamic mm-hmm. world so mm-hmm. as these environments around us and within us change then we need to make those changes as well but knowing how to tune in like okay you know what something is off here and i want to create toolkits essentially for women where they can say like, okay, well, if this is off, then this is what I need to do. If I need to, then maybe I need to do more of this or less of this, right? Because um, I think I think that's what it ultimately comes down to. We're not, it's never going to be just one way or one solution. So that that's where my passion lies. <laughs> well, I'll link your um, website in the show notes for people to get that. Do you sell some of your own products? You mentioned something about the hair products. Do you have some of that? Yes, that and um, my other one is is uh, it's a, rela- it's a I call it a relaxed powder uh, because it, it contains uh, inositol. So inositol, a big one for yeah. PCOS. These are the women uh, that I see largely. Oh, it is. Mm-hmm. It, I use it for sleep. What, who else? It helps lower insulin. Yeah, it helps with blood sugar regulation. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it, it does help with sleep. So it, yeah. it, And I, again, when we talked about PCOS and that um, huge underlying stress component. Yeah. That's why I like this because it has magnesium, it has inositol, it has taurine, it has GABA, and it has L-theanine. So all that to just really take the edge off. Yeah, Um, That's your glass of wine. That's your glass (laughs) of wine. It's that little pill or supplement. Exactly. It's a powder and it's unflavored so you don't have to worry about any of the extra chemicals or flavorings. And it just mixes into anything. Uh, And then a tea, which... um, I'm, it's like, I'm getting more of right now, but it's probably my favorite just because I, I love herbs. I love herbal medicine. Um, yeah. so it's a nice blend to, again, help you get into that parasympathetic mode before bed. Um, really make sure that you're digesting, um, as opposed to having to take, you know, something, a medication for digestion. Right. right? Yeah. Right. Like mm-hmm. the HCL, the, the, acid blocker that the girl was taking. And I was like, there are other options. So I love that. I've really, um, I've been introduced to inositol now for a couple of years and I know it definitely helped. It's a, it's really good, but, and for what I was needing, just because when you do get postmenopausal, your sleep can get wonky if you're not getting sunlight in the morning, sunlight in the evening, you know, regulating some stress and stuff. And it's very, very helpful, but I love. And another thing that I think, um, menopause pushes us into is a need, our thought for a need for a glass of wine because of the heart palpitations, the anxiety yeah. Yeah. that goes with it. And I remember drinking wine. It didn't make me feel better and it interrupted my sleep. Yeah. So I wish I'd known about that. Yeah. Where were you I, 10 years ago? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you use an yeah. aura, 
but you can really see how this- the reason I don't because I'll overthink it and I'll uh, I will then I don't want to obsess about it. My yeah. son wants to know why he's surprised I don't have an Apple Watch too. <laughs> and I said because then I'd wake up in the middle of the night to see what have I done. I've done a CGM a couple of times. Mm. And I have enjoyed that. Now that I'm a meat eater, it doesn't it doesn't go up, it doesn't go down. It's pretty boring. But when I was eating more of a tradition, my traditional diet, but I could almost obsess about it. Yeah. And then that puts my cortisol doing this. Yes. So I I have to tell my body nothing's on fire. That's in that's fact beautiful. I don't. Yeah, I don't love knowing that I have the alopecia. I wish my hairdresser would have just taken something and treated it, because then it gets me on a spiral of. What are my melanocytes doing? And then what, you see what I'm saying? So yeah. I have to protect myself. My thyroid doctor told me years ago, 20 years ago, he said, well, your Hashimoto's is bad, but I'll never, I could test you for Graves' disease. He said, but I'm not going to because you'll catch it. <laughs> I go, what do you mean? He goes, because you'll start, I will tell you you have it. And then you'll start obsessing and thinking you have all the symptoms. So you see what I have to say? I have to protect myself. Yeah. Which yeah. is why I turned off the news in March of 2020. Yeah. I have to protect myself. Absolutely. So, and we all have to find whatever works for us. But I know the people love the aura rings, which do you have yours on? I do. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, it was because I, I was having chronic insomnia for a bit. Um, but I just wanted to see what was helping and what wasn't helping. And the interesting thing I saw, the hugest the wine was the worst, worst thing. It's so inflammatory, y'all. And it, yeah. it keeps you up. And it. I, I've realized there's. It doesn't have room in my life anymore, nope. but if nope. someone else drinks it, that's great. But if you are on bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, it could go down the estrone pathway, just <gasps> saying. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, oh, there are a lot Lord. of things that has changed my mind. But I'm telling you, I thought I had to have it to cope during menopause because the heart palpitations. I, and in my mind, I would even think after I drank my one glass or two, I never had more, I would think my heart palpitations hadn't gone away. But I just kept thinking there was a connection. So mm. good luck in Ossetol and go to her website. So that's what I'll send people to do. They'll do that and we'll make the world a better place. A better place. <laughs> Thanks for being here. You're just a doll. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so glad that uh, the timing finally worked out. I know. It took a minute. Thanks for listening to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and download all the episodes and leave a review, won't you? The Lisa Fisher Said Podcast is produced by ClantonCreative.com.